Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Without wasting any time, here is the Green Party candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South, Christina Wilson. I'm so pleased to have with me today Christina Wilson, the Green Party candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you very much for having me. I want to address a serious question right off the top. The Green Party went through a very tumultuous couple of months prior to the election call. In June, there was an open letter with 150 signatures to your leader calling for the resignation of one of her senior advisors. A couple of weeks later, there was a threat of a non-confidence vote. An arbitrator was brought in, the vote was cancelled, and then there was the threat of a court battle over the cancellation of the non-confidence vote. Then your leader had to call a truce so your party could focus on the election. To add to all of this, your candidacy was not announced until a week after the election was called. How can voters trust your party to form a government when it is in such chaos? That is an excellent question. I I really like how you laid out all the facts there. Um, What I'm thinking at this point in time is when you vote green, you know what you're getting for, getting getting out of it. When you vote green, it is a wake-up call to the world that we need to do something about climate change. And none of the other parties has a strong enough platform to really combat and, and bring things down to net zero carbon emissions by, by the target of 2050. Every single party has issues at the top. You can look at a history of different things that have happened over all of our years of, of politics and see issues at the top of every party. I really have faith in the Green Party that they are going to work out the kinks as we move forward. Why was there no nomination meeting for you? Um, I will be honest in that one, that we were we, we were going through the motions of trying to find a local candidate. We've actually been searching for a number of months for a green candidate. And I sit on the executive and I have two young children. And I, I really hadn't mentally prepared to run at this time. And I did not want to leave the Green Party high and dry. I know I can do this. I know I have a voice for our community. I just did not think I was quite ready for it when uh, things were called to action. Um, but I, I'm putting myself forward and saying, yes, I can do this. I have an amazing team behind me who are very supportive and helping me through this. But coming into an election and being in such chaos, doesn't that not bode well? And the fact that you were delayed, again, it looks like things are just chaotic. How can you assure people that if they're going to vote for you, on September 20th, 
that there's going to be stability, that there isn't going to be more chaos or uh, things being all over the place, that, that, you know, all the promises and all the good things that your party wants, says it wants to do are going to be implemented and there isn't going to, it's not going to be all over the place. Because those values haven't changed. The Green Party values have not changed over the years. We have stayed consistent in our beliefs in what our planet needs and in what Canada needs to do to move forward to adjust transition to a new green economy. The Green Party has consistently placed forth in local federal elections for a very long time. How do you respond when people may say the election's really about a two-horse race in Northumberland, Peterborough South? I definitely agree that that is our history. I was even born and raised liberal in a very liberal-based family. And in previous years, I, I would say it's actually Jeff Wielden by having conversations with him in 2019. He was able to switch my mind about which party I should be going for. And um, there's other parts of that question. Can you repeat it one more time for me? The Green Party is consistently placed fourth. And my question to you was, how do you respond when people may say the election is really just a two-horse race in Northumberland, Peterborough South? I would say one of the issues is that strategic voting, and that strategic voting has been starving smaller parties of funds that they need to grow. I mean, a really interesting fact that I did not know before this election, that if the Green Party was able to make 10% of the vote, which it got 8% last time in 2019 we got 8% of the vote under Jeff Wielden. If I can push and get that even that 10% of the vote, we actually get a 60% rebate from Elections Canada on our campaign funds. And that puts us a little bit more in the running against these these parties that have the money to have a campaign office and be able to staff it. I was intrigued with your answer where you mentioned that you were a liberal before. What brought you to the Green Party when you say you talked to Jeff Wielden? What was it that changed your mind that moved you to the Green Party then? Again, that concept of strategic voting, that definitely I have been a strategic voter in the past. Um, But he makes some really, really good valid points about how you need to vote what your heart says. And I am very much an environmentalist, and I definitely align very strongly with the Green values. And we need to really think about that and think about what it is that you want. Um, There was a great quote on Twitter recently where you have to think that voting is not marriage, that it's more like you're hopping on a bus and you need to get on the bus that is going in the right direction. If you choose the bus that's going in the wrong direction, then you're the only one to blame for what's happening in our society. I'd like to go back now to, to why you decided to run. What, what made you decide? I mean, you were looking for a candidate. You sit on the executive. What was that moment? Can you describe what happened intellectually for you that said, you know what? I'm going to put my name forward. I'm going to do this. My partner and I had already talked about it. And I would say even in 2019, after meeting Jeff, he put that little bug in my ear that said, you know, you have strong values and I can see you running in the future. He said that to me back in 2019. So he's definitely a champion, I guess you could say, for, for me putting my, my name forward. And what it was, though, was other people. There were I had a couple of strong 
friends who are aligned with the Green Party, who had discussions, believe it or not, behind my back, and they're the ones that put my name forward. And I think because it was already in my head that I could do that, to have that extra added community support from people I know and love really, really helped me to make that decision to move into this. So let's get you to tell us a bit about yourself. Well, my longstanding history in this area, I, I would say, um, my my mother's side is the, the Johnston clan uh, of Grafton, I guess you could say. They, they own farm property. The Grafton Public School is on land donated by my grandfather, Doug Johnston, who was Reeve of Haldeman Township twice, I believe, in his life before he passed at 96 years old. Um, there are five generations of farmers that come before me. This this is my roots and what I come from. And that's on both sides, the Wilsons. Wilson is such a common name. I I like to joke around that uh, um, unless you're a Wilson from Garden Hill, then no, I'm not related to you. Um, I'm a teacher. I've I've traveled globally. I've lived in several different countries around the world. I've lived in Australia, Japan, and uh, Poland, of all places, doing teaching around the world. And yet, I've always come home. There is something about Northumberland County that always brings me home. The family, the sense of community. You don't get that in other places. You don't get that in big cities. We are here for each other. We have each other's backs. And as a teacher, I really push things like um, environmental education into my lessons as much as I possibly can. And I just think with that background, and also I have a very strong union background, that I'm starting to learn to fight for other people a lot more. My seven years involved with the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario on their executive and currently vice president. And that's really helped me have the confidence to become a leader and to be able to speak up for people. You mentioned earlier that you have a partner and you have some children. Do you have any other family in the area? Uh, my parents are just north of Grafton, and uh, my father-in-law is actually out in Camborne area. Um, there are several uh, Wilson cousins around the area and Johnston cousins as well on both sides of the family that live in the, in the region. Besides being involved on the executive of the political parties and the union, are you active in the community as well? I sing in a local choir. I play called the Choral Legacy. I play badminton with the Coburg Badminton Club. Um, I'm on currently on the executive for the Grafton Green Thumbs, which is a horticultural society. All right. I'd like to move on now to your party's platform. If your party won the election, what would it do to address the fourth wave of this pandemic? Excellent question. And at this point in time, they have, the party has not released any information regarding that. I know that we need a new just transition to, to a greener future and how we can do that for pandemic recovery as well, I I think is, it's definitely a hot topic. And I am waiting for the experts. You have to remember that I'm not the expert in this, that I base my decisions on experts in the field. And I'm waiting to see what the Green Party Party comes up with for that. Finding affordable housing, both as a buyer and as a renter, is very difficult in Northumberland. 
The county has a 10-year waiting list for affordable housing for decades. And in the face of multiple initiatives by the county and others to, to build affordable housing, what is your party planning to do to move the needle on this waiting list? They are coming up with some excellent ideas. And I think one of them is recognizing that not everyone can afford to purchase a home. And I think a lot of that is, is that, that conception that everybody should buy. And I can remember being pushed to buy a home throughout my whole entire life. And I think right now we need to focus on building affordable renting houses, rentable houses, and making sure that they are green, pushing that green technology in them can actually help reduce, make, make the housing itself affordable for people to be able to live in if you're reducing costs of electricity and heating and things like that, um, that will help us move to, to prevent climate crisis and affordable housing. Well, all that sounds wonderful, but developers don't seem to be doing that. And there's all kinds of incentives. And if there was a market for that, I'm sure developers would be building rental housing just like you described and, and doing these things with green technologies. But obviously they're not because there's no money to be made in it. How does your plan become workable when we don't even see rental housing being built in the first place because they claim there's no market for it or it's not financially viable? I would agree with you on that one. That's an excellent statement. And I believe that we are going to have to put some incentives to the developers in order to develop the appropriate technology to put into these homes. And you have to remember, too, that for every dollar that's being put into green home is also creating a green job out there. So you're, that goes hand in hand when we put those two things together. If I'm someone in Northumberland receiving the SERB benefit right now, those are only going to last until October 23rd. What type of income supports are you prepared to give Canadians to ensure that they're not going to be left in the lurch? The Green Party is one of their big platform topics and something that's near and dear to my heart and is one of the reasons that I did switch to green is the concept of the universal basic income or guaranteed livable income. And you do hear it from the other parties as well, but I don't think their models necessarily are going to work the same as ours. For example, the Liberals call theirs basic income, so not everybody is going to get it. The concept of the universal basic income is something that can help everybody. And we've already seen through the implementation of CERB that by giving people that amount of money, it can help them up. We helped millions of people out of poverty, but it was not laid out correctly. There were so many headaches from people who suddenly were getting bills that they owed the government back money because maybe they shouldn't have been receiving CERB. So much red tape and bureaucratic things that were happening. I mean, can you imagine if it was universal and that everybody was getting this money anyway, then you're eliminating that bureaucratic red tape and loopholes for people to jump through. In theory, that sounds great, but I'm sure there must be listeners that are listening to you speak and go, look, 
I'm making $250,000 a year, or I'm extraordinarily rich. Why should I be getting this basic income check because it's universal compared to those who are in desperate need for having a stable income? Why, why make it universal and why not take a focused approach and giving it to people who are in need? Well, when you look at that one, you look at the progressive tax bracket plan that the government has in place so that um, that money will still be coming back and will still be um, putting it out there for for the individual who need it to actually have it. It will be helping. I mean, if you th- think about it too, the money that we'll be getting from by eliminating EI, by eliminating old age security and creating one system that works for everyone. There are more people on the lower end of things than there are on the high. Let's, let's be real. Now, there might be some business people who are also listening, and they're going to say, look, one of the reasons I'm having trouble right now hiring people is because of the CERB. There's no motivation for these people to come and get jobs. How would you respond to that? I would say that you, although you still have that universal basic income, it's still not incredibly high. And that very first tax bracket that the Green Party will create will still be an achievable an amount for them to also want to work and increase their wages so that they could actually think about purchasing their own home and saving money down the road. Think of it, a higher, lower tax bracket where they have the incentive to work because they're not getting taxed on their CERB and they can still work up to a certain number of thousands of dollars per year before they hit the first tax bracket. Now, you mentioned this slightly in your answer, but I'd like to pursue it a little bit deeper, and that is, is the fact that there are many seniors living in Northumberland, and the government has, over the pandemic, did a one-time payment of just over $800 to those over 75 years old. There has not been any substantial change, though, to old-age security. Um, and meanwhile, you know, inflation is, is just ravaging these seniors' incomes. How would your plan for universal basic income resolve the problems that many seniors face in having a livable income? Excellent question. I've talked about it with my team a bit, and um, I'm still looking at the right words to say for that. It still comes back to the universal basic income. It's still, if you if you look at the amount that they are receiving on, on old age security, uh, they I believe they will be getting higher on the universal basic income project. Also related to seniors is that the pandemic has clearly demonstrated that there are many flaws of the current long-term care system. What is Agreed. your... What is your party proposing to do to address this crisis? There definitely is a plan in works. I have seen statements from Annamie Paul herself recognizing that there are very large issues in long-term care facilities and that we definitely need the funding to be put into the system in order to rectify it, to have more people working. So there's another creation of jobs idea as well that those go hand in hand that by improving 
what is going on in long-term homes by making greener livable areas for them more positive surroundings and just having more hands on deck and creating more jobs i think is definitely a a way forward to help with the long-term care housing issue since we're speaking about people's health there have been several deaths recently in northumberland due to an opioid overdose police are very worried as are many agencies what is your party prepared to do about this local and even national crisis well first i want to recognize that today is actually international overdose recognition day and there are several events if people want to google it and look up information around northumberland i believe the town of Coburg and possibly even port hope have events happening today if you wanted to investigate that um I think it is a very serious crisis, and we've seen the numbers rise through COVID. It has gotten worse. It is now just frightening to see the numbers and how much that they have increased. And I think there's two things we need to focus on that. One, again, I will go back to that universal basic income by providing a real basic income for people to live off of those who are able to seek medical help to get them out of the place where they are uh, to be able to achieve a new future, I, I really do think that it will help. I know it's a, it, it's a very it's a very systemic approach to to fix a major systemic problem. But the other factor I want to look at, of course, is mental health. We do we do not have the supports in our area to fix mental health. And I do believe that funding needs to go in to creating achievable, accessible mental health in our area. Do you not feel there is sufficient mental health services? I mean, there's a great deal of money spent. There are many people working on this issue. Where do you feel it's falling short? I would look at at almost uh, even public rehabilitation centers where we, they can actually go and stay and they can work on on educating themselves on on getting into positive mental health and kicking their opioid addictions. Your platform also talks about helping businesses, especially when it comes to hiring and getting people back to work. Now, many people are rethinking work, minimum wage, precarious working conditions with minimal part-time hours, no benefits, having to hold multiple jobs just to pay the bills. How would your party address the systemic issues within the economy where businesses are obviously getting support to help hire people or wanting to help hire people, but only creating precarious work? I was sent an interesting article today, and I don't know that it specifically talks about what um, yours was saying, but it was a very interesting outlook again on the universal basic income idea, and that even the idea of robots and technology taking over our jobs or the self-checkouts at places, you know, like like Shoppers Drug Mart and Dollarama locally suddenly are really pushing the self-checkouts, which was incredibly disappointing to me as a union activist to see that happening. So, yes, you say that some people are, are lacking finding 
willing people to work and that precarious jobs are there. But perhaps the solution is universal basic income where we're developing technology for more tech, try, trying to get the words out, to, to get robotic type options for doing the precarious jobs that nobody really wants to do. And by having universal basic income, you can do the jobs you want. It would support even arts and research in our area for people who want to think to go to go back to school to create there are so many options for people to create small businesses their own small businesses instead of working those precarious jobs what is your platform prepared to do to help businesses as we come out of the pandemic well, I would say one of the things is the changing um, taxation rates to really affect the corporate giants as opposed to the small businesses by giving them a tax break, by reducing uh, what they are having to pay to the government and at fixing it to the corporate giants instead, I think is a really important way forward. Can you explain that a little bit more clearly, what the plan would be? So how would it impact small business and, and who are these corporate giants and what would be happening to them? I'm referring, I guess, to the 2019 platform where they wanted to, where the Green Party was looking at increasing our corporate tax rates to mirror that of the United States, where right now we're sitting about 15% by pushing it up to 19%. Now, on the opposite end of things, how would that help small businesses? Then you would look at a reduction of tax rates for the small businesses to help them get ahead. I'd like to talk about climate change now. And I know your party is well known for its policies around climate change and sustainable practices. But what I'd like to know now is, I want to know what you're doing in your personal life to make a difference regarding climate change. Not talking about your party's policies. I'd like to know what actions you take in your daily life to impact climate change. That's an excellent question. I haven't been asked that one. I, I really appreciate that one. Thank you. The things that we are doing uh, in my own family has switched um, our, our hobby farm to be running off of geothermal energy. Um, and now that was back when the government was giving funding for that and we got a decent rebate because it is very expensive to do that and so you can imagine that if the green party were in power that we would also put those um rebates back into place to promote building windmills on people's properties and solar panels like my father-in-law has on his property. Now, me, myself, and I, um, I use reusable water bottles every day. I try to bicycle when I could have chosen to drive. I think about when I was living abroad, and I think about how I never needed a car living in some other areas. And that makes me think that how much we live in a rural area and public transport needs to be increased in getting electric buses that come out to the country and actually help people to be get into urban areas where they'll be actually be able to work. Um, in my own life, I'm a teacher and I cannot stop pushing the concepts of 
climate change and climate action uh, when I'm teaching young children and, and getting them thinking about what they can do as well for our future. We are seeing a different tone at public events on the campaign trail. And your leader has also said she has experienced racism during her tenure in politics. I want to begin by asking you, what was your reaction to the rally held when Trudeau did a campaign stop on August 17th, where there were protesters swearing at him, yelling obscenities, and being physically and vocally aggressive? There are two thoughts on that. One, the peaceful side of me doesn't think there's a place for that kind of thing, I'll be honest. But at the same time, I heard a lovely quote yesterday where someone said, when you see those people shouting and yelling those things, it's because they don't feel that their voice has been heard. And that perhaps we do need to take a step back and just be be listening to some of those voices and what they are trying to say in the background and taking a second and taking those people aside and listening to their stories and why they're so upset. But doesn't that give oxygen to that kind of behavior, though? I mean, I understand your intent, but doesn't it just fuel that, you know, if I'm uh, rude or aggressive or physically uh, violent or threaten violence, then I'm going to be heard over somebody who may be choosing a more peaceful or a more rational approach. You have an excellent point. I absolutely agree with your point, And it may. I mean, that's you're, you're talking about basic human nature. But you have to look at at least listen. I mean, this is something that I've been doing for for two weeks now when I'm talking to people is just taking the time to listen. And you would be, I think, very shocked or surprised how many people just want their voices heard. What does this type of behavior, this aggressive uh, violence threatening, the fact that we have to cancel campaign events and, and, and so forth, what does it tell us about our democracy and about our electoral process? That is definitely not working and that we need electoral reform. The first pass of the post system is a bit broken where we do have those two main parties and we can't branch away from them and get everyone's voices heard because we are stuck in those two main parties. There is so much division and the use of wedge issues in politics today. It does not feel like we are a unified country, despite the rhetoric. Can you say something positive about the current MP, Philip Lawrence, about what he has done, and maybe say something positive about the other candidates? I had the pleasure of meeting Philip Lawrence this year over Zoom. Um, I don't know if he remembers meeting me or not, but um, uh, as, a, as a grade five teacher that was teaching social studies and politics this year in government, I invited him in to speak to my class and they prepared questions for him. And I, he did an amazing job. He reached those children. He was comfortable. He was relaxed. He took the humor of some of the questions that the kids asked and was open and honest. And I also actually was talking to Jeff Wielden as well about one of the uh, private members' bills that Philip Lawrence was able to to pass, and he had green support to do it. And that was um, the 
the farmers in the prairies getting a rebate um, for drying their grains because it does require a decent amount of carbon footprint in order to do that. And if they're going to survive with this big carbon tax, they needed that tax break. What about the other candidates? Um, I do not know Alison Lester very well. I have listened to a couple of her interviews. She seems very well-spoken, very confident in what she's doing. And I know people who went to high school with her who have always said that she is a very intelligent and confident woman um, and that they think that she can do this as well. And then I have the the other uh, person, uh, Kim MacArthur Jackson, Um I had the pleasure of meeting her years ago, and I don't know that she'd remember me as well. Um, being the leader of PFLAG, they were out to speak at the United Church that I'm a member of as we became uh, the first two-point pastoral charge to become an affirming community, uh, an affirming pastoral charge in our community. And uh, she was an excellent speaker, and I can she just... Wow, what a candidate to for the NDPs to come up with and put forward. I think she's going to do very well. She's dynamic and a wonderful speaker. What has it been like on the campaign trail? What are people saying to you? What are people saying to me? Um, I had some excellent notes from uh, some Port Hope individuals about... Um, retaining the sense of community, getting back to the sense of community where we all work together for the common good and thinking about even the elements around us, air, earth, water, fire, and thinking about those aspects are around us all the time and, and what can we do to protect our area, to clean up rivers around our area. Water is, is something that's a necessity and that's a whole other conversation that I could talk for a long time on. Um, other things they wanted to know, of course, some big questions are why green versus liberal? You know, I, I talked to some young teachers who have traditionally voted liberal and they say they're they're on the fence between the two parties and having that discussion with them about why they should vote green instead. Um, I'm trying to think who else I have talked to. Um, my own um, cousin, my, my mother's first cousin, really brought the idea of, of seniors and what can we do for seniors onto the platform, the worry there. I had a, a, a private message the other day from a young woman um, living in an apartment building, and I have to admit, the conversation she brought up to me is, is something I didn't even know about, and that was of... Uh, several apartment buildings in the Port Hope area whose landlords don't seem to be able to get rid of pest problems and they're just doing Band-Aid solutions and the building is constantly fluctuating between um, bed bugs and cockroaches, which I didn't even know were, were present in our area. So there's I'm getting mind-blowing things from, from local, from our constituents Um that are seeking help for different things. And the other one that's been brought up, of course, is the lack of good rural internet in our area. And what would your party do about that? Which one? The, <laughs> the, the rural internet. Um, I do think that, once again, some incentives needs to be put out there for the technology and the towers to be built. 
by internet companies so that everyone has it. And I mean, especially teaching through the pandemic this year and seeing out of a class of, of 20 that I only have six students logging in regularly. Now, some of them were mental health issues and some of them um, were maybe kids that just can't sit still and didn't need the, the screen time that much. But I guarantee you one third of every class was affected by poor internet issues. Now, there are numerous uh, initiatives that are happening right as we speak to, to uh, improve, and lots and lots of money from both the provincial and federal governments has been put to this. What is going to be particular to your party's platform that's going to be different from what's already happening, though? Well, it is an issue that the Green Party has said that they are working on, but we are still waiting for that full platform to be released later this week to know the specifics of it. So I'm just, I'm just waiting until I hear exactly what that's going to look like. So in the end, why should someone vote for the Green Party? Because it's time to recognize the IPC, what the IPCC report that was released a couple of weeks ago is saying. It's time for us to move forward with against climate action and do everything in our power. Because let me tell you, the, the expense to fix a broken world and pollution down the road from the damage that we are currently doing to it is going to be much higher than the amount of money spent in order to transition to a green economy. Christina Wilson, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Christina Wilson, the candidate for the Green Party. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at Consider this Northumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider this.ca. That's consider this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.